We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. The Lord uses a pagan Gentile king to accomplish his plan. And I point that out because sometimes we think that God only uses born-again Christians to accomplish his plan. But what we see here with Cyrus is that God can use a non-believer. God can use a pagan. We know from elsewhere in the Bible, God can use a donkey if he wants to, right? He's not limited to just believers and accomplishing his will through believers and through Christians. He can use anyone. Did you know that the Lord can use anything and anyone to accomplish his divine purposes? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dan, he teaches you that God is never limited. In the book of Isaiah, God uses a pagan Gentile king to accomplish his will. In another part of scripture, he uses a donkey. Pastor Dan teaches that sometimes people think that God only uses born-again Christians to carry out his purposes. This is not true. When God wants to accomplish His will, He will use any means He desires to do it. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 45, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Isaiah 45. We're also going to look at Daniel chapter 5, if you want to turn there as well. Well, if you look back at the very end of chapter 44, chapter 44 ended with this very remarkable prophecy about Cyrus, the king of Persia. This is one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible. If you look at the end of chapter 44, verse 28, who says of Cyrus, he is my shepherd. The Lord's speaking about Cyrus, the Persian king. He is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built... And to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. And and we talked a lot about this prophecy last week. And you may remember that Isaiah wrote this letter in about 712 BC. Cyrus inherited the kingdom of Persia in 559 BC. So Isaiah writes this more than 150 years before Cyrus even becomes king. And here the the Lord speaking through Isaiah mentions Cyrus by name 150 years before he even becomes king of Persia. And as Isaiah writes this, and as the Lord says this about Cyrus, the Persian king, at this point, remember, Assyria 
is the world empire, the world superpower. The Persians were just a nomadic people dwelling within the Assyrian Empire. They're they're not even really a nation at this point when God gives this prophecy about Cyrus, the king of Persia. And if you look at the verse again at the end of chapter 44, the Lord declares that Cyrus will rebuild Jerusalem and will lay the foundation of the temple or rebuild the temple in Jerusalem And at this point, again, when Isaiah is writing this, Jerusalem and the temple were still standing tall. The Babylonians are going to come in and destroy it. But the Babylonians don't even exist as an empire yet. The Babylonians, it's just kind of a city-state within the Assyrian Empire. And so this prophecy is 150 to 200 years before these events even, even happen The Persian Empire doesn't exist yet. The Babylonian Empire doesn't exist yet. The the Jerusalem is still standing. The temple is still standing. And so really, as as this prophecy is given, those that receive it, they really don't have any sense of what this is talking about, about Jerusalem and the temples. It's just a very astounding prophecy about Cyrus and about Jerusalem and about the temple. And remember, we've seen several times in Isaiah that that this is the way that God proves that he is God, is through prophecy. And we've seen several times where God has challenged the other so-called gods to prove that they are God by declaring the future, by telling the end from the beginning, or, or through prophecy. And so this is kind of the test that God lays down to the other gods to prove that they are gods. Give a word of prophecy, declare the future or future events. And what we see here is that God not only declares future events, but he has a very, very specific prophecy, even naming Cyrus by name and describing in detail what he will, will do in rebuilding Jerusalem and the temple in Jerusalem. Now, chapter 45 This prophecy about Cyrus continues. Look at verse 1. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to, here's the reason, subdue nations before him and loose the armor of kings to open before him the double doors so that the gate will not be shut. And here in verse 1, the Lord, Jehovah, calls Cyrus his anointed. And this is the only time a Gentile is called his anointed in the Bible. Uh, The word that is used there, his anointed, that Hebrew word is the word that is used in the Old Testament for the Messiah. The Messiah is called the anointed one. And the Messiah, of course, is, is Jesus Christ. And Cyrus Cyrus is a prototype, if you will, of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, because Cyrus will subdue the world under his rule, just like Jesus, when he returns, will subdue the world under his rule, as we've talked about on Sunday mornings in our Revelation study. Cyrus will liberate the people of God, the Jews, and Cyrus will allow them to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild their temple in Jerusalem And so Cyrus is a shadow or a prototype of the Messiah 
Jesus Christ, when he returns to the earth as a conquering king, and he will rule over the whole earth as king of kings and lord of lords. Note here that the Lord uses a pagan Gentile king to accomplish his plan. And I point that out because sometimes we think that God only uses born-again Christians to accomplish his plan. But what we see here with Cyrus is that God can use a non-believer. God can use a pagan. We know from elsewhere in the Bible, God can use a donkey if he wants to, right? He's not limited to just believers and accomplishing his will through believers and through Christians. He can use anyone. And Cyrus, you know, as we see here in verse 1, with God's help, it says he will subdue nations. He's going to subdue the, the whole world, the known world in his day. He's going to control all of the ancient Near East from India all the way to northern Africa. He's going to conquer all of it. He, he's, he's one of the greatest conquerors in all of history. Verse 1 also says, if you have the New King James Bible, that he will loose the armor of kings. Now, the Old King James is a little bit more colorful here. Uh, The Old King James Bible says he will loose the loins of kings. And uh, maybe you know what that means. That the kings, when they hear that Cyrus and the Persian army are heading their way, their loins will be loosed. (laughs) They're going to lose control of their bodily function when they just hear that news. That's what that means there. And it says again that the Lord will open before him the double doors. The gates will not be shut. The Lord says, I will go before you and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron. And and this is a reference to Babylon. Now, again, historically at this point, Babylon is just a city in the Assyrian Empire. But the, the, the Babylonians are going to rise in power and they're going to conquer the Assyrians and the Babylonians will become the superpower of the world. Their capital will be the city of Babylon. Cyrus will rise up out of Persia and in 539 B.C., he will conquer the city of Babylon. Now, ancient historians tell us that the ancient city of Babylon had 300-foot-tall walls that were 80 feet thick. And they actually used to have chariot races on the tops of the walls around the city of Babylon, and they could race six chariots at once. They could have six chariots across and crowds lining the wall to watch the races. The walls were that wide, 80 feet wide, 300 feet tall. We're told also, or 80 feet thick, 300 feet tall. We're told also that within that outer wall, there was a second wall. And so you had an outer wall and an inner wall. And they had, within that inner wall, there were over 100 gates leading into the city of Babylon. The gates were made out of solid bronze. They had iron bars that slid across the gates to lock them. Iron was the strongest metal in the world. It was unbreakable. And so the gates of the city of Babylon were considered unbreakable. We also know from historians 
that the city of Babylon had the Euphrates River running into the city. And they, they actually caused the river to flow underneath the city wall into the city of Babylon so that they had an unlimited, continuous water supply in the city. And we also know that the Babylonians planted vineyards and orchards and, and farms and crops, and they had cattle inside the city. Archaeologists estimate that within the city of Babylon, not outside the walls, but in the city of Babylon, they had a 20-year food supply within the city. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. We'll have more from this message in a moment. But first, we'd like to tell you about an exciting resource available this Christmas season. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you more. Christmas can be a very busy time of year for most of us, and in our busyness, we can forget the reason for the season, Jesus Christ. So my wife, Cameron, wrote a wonderful daily devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple devotional is written for women and is designed to help you keep Jesus at the center of your Christmas season. We would be happy to mail you a copy as our thank you for your investment of any amount in this daily radio ministry. To receive your copy of 31 Days of December, visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on Give. Now, let's finish today's message. So they've got a water supply. They've got a 20-year food supply within the city. So the city was was self-sustaining. Now, why do I say that? I say that because in the ancient world, when an army would attack a city, you know this, we've talked about this before, what they would do is they would, they would surround the city and just cut off the food supply and then wait. And they would just starve out the city and wait for the people to surrender or wait until they became so starved and weak that they couldn't fight and then take the city. Babylon had a 20-year food supply inside the walls of the city. They, they had water flowing into the city. The city of Babylon, it was believed it couldn't be conquered. The Babylonians at least thought that, that there was no way anyone could ever conquer the city of Babylon. But Cyrus will. Cyrus, the Persian king, will conquer the city of Babylon. And I want to look at a passage together. If you want to turn with me over to Daniel chapter 5. Daniel chapter 5. In your Bible. And this describes some of the events surrounding the fall of the city of Babylon. Daniel chapter 5. Now, at, at this point, the Persian army under Cyrus is outside the walls of Babylon. But the Babylonians inside the city are so confident that their city can't be conquered. They're not worried at all about the Persians that are outside the wall. In fact, they're so unconcerned about it, they decide to have a big party inside the city. With the Persians right outside the gate, right outside the wall, they throw a big party inside the city because they're not concerned. No one can conquer Babylon. So we see in verse 1 of chapter 5, Belshazzar the king, so this is Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belshazzar the king, he made a great feast for a thousand of his lords. That's quite a feast. That's a lot of people. And he drank wine in the presence of the thousand. So 
they're getting bombed. They're getting drunk. The Persians are outside the wall, but they're not concerned. They're so confident in their in their walls. And they're having this big party. They're all getting drunk. Verse two, while he tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and they praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone, all of their all of their idols. They're praising all of their gods, all of their their idols that they have. And then in a sense here, they're mocking Jehovah and saying that our God's greater than Jehovah. We've, we've got Jehovah's cups, his gold and his silver. You kind of you, you, you know, with, even if you don't know the rest of the story, you can, you can tell something's, something's going to happen, right? They're going to get it. Verse 5, and in the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared... And wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. This is where we get the saying, the writing on the wall. Comes from this story in the Bible. So this hand appears and begins to write on the wall. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now look at verse 6. Then the king's countenance changed. (laughs) I bet it did. You know, here they're getting drunk and having a party and suddenly you see a hand and it starts writing on the wall. I'm sure the expression on your face would change in that moment. His countenance changed. Verse 6 goes on. And his thoughts troubled him. So that, look what it says, the joints, this is New King James, the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. When it says... The joints of his hips were loosened. In the King James, it says his loins were loosened. His loins were loosed. Remember, that was part of what we read back in Isaiah 45, that he would cause the king's loins to be loosed. That's exactly what happens. And that's, that's a pretty specific prophecy to have that fulfilled. And we see it fulfilled here with Belshazzar. He sees the writing on the wall, the hand, and he needs to... Excuse himself. And his knees are knocking. Verse 7. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck. And he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. I'll make him the number three man in my whole kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. And then the queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. And this seems to be one of the wives of Nebuchadnezzar. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, 
nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. Now Daniel was carried away by the Babylonians when he was a young man, probably in his teens. And now he's, he's probably in his 80s. Now he's an elderly man. And the queen says, hey, I remember there was one of the Hebrews named Daniel, and he could interpret dreams. You should call him, have him come in, see if he can explain what the writing on the wall means. Verse 13, then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father, the king, brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the spirit of God is in you and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation. But they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now, if you can read the writing and make known to me its interpretation You shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Verse 17. Then Daniel answered. Remember, he's served the Lord his whole life. He's an elderly man at this point, maybe in his 80s. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another. I don't want your gifts. I'm not interested in any, any gift. You can give them to someone else. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up, and whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. And then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was like the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. Here is old man Daniel here, Daniel the prophet, and he's, he's standing before this young king who historically we know just spent his days just drinking and partying and on immorality. And he can picture this old man, Daniel, standing before him, and he says, hey, yeah, I'll... I'll I'll interpret the writing for you. But let me tell you a little story about your dad. Maybe something you don't know. He asked me how I 
We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton today for Ring of Truth. If you missed any part of this message or would like to hear additional teachings from Pastor Dan, they're available to you at our website, calvaryec.com. We'd also like to take a moment to invite you to partner with us here at Ring of Truth. Would you consider investing in this ministry financially? Your investment of any amount will be used to bring these daily Bible studies to you and other listeners. Throughout this month is our way of saying thank you for partnering with us. We will send you a wonderful devotional called 31 Days of December. This simple daily devotional written for women is designed to keep your focus on Jesus during one of the busiest months of the year. The devotional begins on the first day of December and walks you through the story of the birth of Jesus in daily bite-sized pieces. It's the perfect tool to keep Jesus in the forefront of your Christmas season. To get your copy of 31 Days of December, call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. Or visit our website at calvaryec.com and click on give. That's calvaryec.com. We will gladly mail a copy to you. Thank you for partnering with us and thank you for listening to Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that crack. Reach true.